Hello, and welcome to day 44 of A Miserable Year. I'm Anthony Adler, and I'm going to read you all 365 chapters of Victor Hugo's monumental Les Miserables over the course of 2018. That's the podcast. In today's episode, we meet a policeman more famous than Lestrade, more dogged than Morse, and more fanatical than a job lot of fans left up in an attic. By which I mean, of course, Inspector Javert. Enjoy! Le Miserable Volume 1 Fontaine Book the Fifth The Descent Chapter 5 Vague Flashes on the Horizon Little by little, and in the course of time, all this opposition subsided. There had at first been exercise against Monsieur Madeleine, in virtue of a sort of law which all those who rise must submit to, blackening and calumnies. Then they grew to be nothing more than ill-nature, then merely malicious remarks, then even this entirely disappeared. Respect became complete, unanimous, cordial, and towards 1821 the moment arrived when the word Monsieur le Maire was pronounced at Montreal-sur-Mer with almost the same accent as Monseigneur the Bishop had been pronounced at Dean in 1815. People came from a distance of ten leagues around to consult Monsieur Madeleine. He put an end to differences. He prevented lawsuits. He reconciled enemies. Everyone took him for the judge. And with good reason. It seemed as though he had for a soul the book of the natural law. It was like an epidemic of veneration, which in the course of six or seven years gradually took possession of the whole district. One single man in the town, in the arrondissement absolutely escaped this contagion, and, whatever Father Madeline did, remained his opponent as though a sort of incorruptible and imperturbable instinct kept him on the alert and uneasy. It seems, in fact, as though there existed in certain men a veritable bestial instinct, though pure and upright, like all instincts, which creates antipathies and sympathies, which fatally separates one nature from another nature which does not hesitate, which feels no disquiet, which does not hold its peace, and which never belies itself, clear in its obscurity, infallible, imperious, intractable, stubborn to all counsels of the intelligence and to all the dissolvance of reason, and which, in whatever manner destinies are arranged, secretly warns the man-dog of the presence of the man-cat and the man-fox of the presence of the man-lion. It frequently happened that when Monsieur Madeleine was passing along a street, calm, affectionate, surrounded by the blessings of all, a man of lofty stature, clad in an iron-grey frock coat, armed with a heavy cane and wearing a battered hat, turned around abruptly behind him and followed him with his eyes until he disappeared, with folded arms and a slow shake of the head, and his upper lip raised in company with his lower to his nose a sort of significant grimace which might be translated by What is that man, after all? I certainly have seen him somewhere. In any case, 
I am not his dupe. This person, grave with a gravity which was almost menacing, was one of those men who, even when only seen by a rapid glimpse, arrest the spectator's attention. His name was Javert, and he belonged to the police. At Montreal-sur-Mer, he exercised the unpleasant but useful functions of an inspector. He had not seen Madeleine's beginnings. Javert owed the post which he occupied to the protection of Monsieur Chaboulet, the secretary of the Minister of State, Comte Anglais, then prefect of police at Paris. When Javert arrived at Montreal-sur-Mer, the fortune of the great manufacturer was already made, and Father Madeleine had become Monsieur Madeleine. Certain police officers have a peculiar physiognomy, which is complicated with an air of baseness mingled with an air of authority. Javert possessed this physiognomy, minus the baseness. It is our conviction that if souls were visible to the eyes, we should be able to see distinctly that strange thing that each one individual of the human race corresponds to some one of the species of the animal creation. And we could easily recognise this truth, hardly perceived by the thinker, that from the oyster to the eagle, from the pig to the tiger, all animals exist in man, and that each one of them is in a man. Sometimes, even several of them at a time. Animals are nothing else than the figures of our virtues and our vices, straying before our eyes the visible phantoms of our souls. God shows them to us in order to induce us to reflect. Only since animals are mere shadows, God has not made them capable of education in the full sense of the word. What is the use? On the contrary, our souls being realities, and having a goal which is appropriate to them, God has bestowed on them intelligence. That is to say, the possibility of education. Social education, when well done, can always draw from a soul, of whatever sort it may be, the utility which it contains. This be it said, is, of course, from the restricted point of view of the terrestrial life which is apparent, and without prejudging the profound question of the anterior or ulterior personality of the beings which are not man. The visible eye in no ways authorises the thinker to deny the latent eye. Having made this reservation, let us pass on. Now, if the reader will admit, for a moment, with us, that in every man there is one of the animal species of creation, it will be easy for us to say what there was in police officer Javert. The peasants of Astorius are convinced that in every litter of wolves there is one dog which is killed by the mother, because, otherwise, as he grew up, he would devour the other little ones. Give to this dog son of a wolf a human face, and the result will be Javert. Javert had been born in prison, with a fortune-teller, whose husband was in the galleys. As he grew up, he thought that he was outside the pale of society, and he despaired of ever re-entering it. He observed that society unpardoningly excludes two classes of men, those who attack it, and those who guard it. He had no choice except between these two classes. At the same time, he was conscious of an indescribable foundation of rigidity, regularity, and probity, complicated with an inexpressible hatred for the race of bohemians whence he was sprung. He entered the police. He succeeded there. At forty years of age, 
he was an inspector. During his youth, he had been employed in the convict establishments of the South. Before proceeding further, let us come to an understanding as to the words human face, which we have just applied to Javert. The human face of Javert consisted of a flat nose with two deep nostrils, towards which enormous whiskers ascended on his cheeks. One felt ill at ease when he saw those two forests and those two caverns for the first time. When Javert laughed, and his laugh was rare and terrible, his thin lips parted and revealed to view not only his teeth but his gums, and around his nose there formed a flattened and savaged fold, as on the muzzle of a wild beast. Javert, serious, was a watchdog. When he laughed, he was a tiger. As for the rest, he had very little skull and a great deal of jaw. His hair concealed his forehead and fell over his eyebrows. Between his eyes, there was a permanent, central frown, like an imprint of wrath. His gaze was obscure, his mouth pursed up and terrible, his air that of ferocious command. This man was composed of two very simple and two very good sentiments, comparatively, but he rendered them almost bad by dint of exaggerating them. Respect for authority, hatred of rebellion, and in his eyes, murder, robbery, all crimes, are only forms of rebellion. He enveloped in a blind and profound faith everyone who had a function in the state, from the prime minister to the rural policeman. He covered with scorn, aversion and disgust everyone who had once crossed the legal threshold of evil. He was absolute and admitted no exceptions. On the one hand, he said, The functionary can make no mistake. The magistrate is never the wrong. On the other hand, he said, these men are irredeemably lost. Nothing good can come from them. He fully shared the opinion of those extreme minds which attribute to human law I know not what power of making, or, if the reader will have it so, of authenticating demons, and who place a sticks at the base of society. He was stoical, serious, austere, a melancholy dreamer, humble and haughty, like fanatics. His glance was like a gimlet, cold and piercing. His whole life hung on these two words, watchfulness and supervision. He had introduced a straight line into what is the most crooked thing in the world. He possessed the conscience of his usefulness, the religion of his functions, and he was a spy as other men are priests. Woe to the men who fell into his hands. He would have arrested his own father if the latter had escaped from the galleys, and would have denounced his mother if she had broken her ban, and he would have done it with that sort of inward satisfaction which is conferred by virtue. And, withal, a life of privation, isolation, abnegation, chastity, with never a diversion. It was implacable duty. The police understood as the Spartans understood Sparta, a pitiless lying in wait, a ferocious honesty, a marble informer, Brutus and Vidocq. Javert's whole person was expressive of the man who spies and who withdraws himself from observation. 
the mystical school of Joseph de Mestre, which at that epoch sees with lofty cosmogony those things which are called the ultra-newspapers, would not have failed to declare that Javert was a symbol. His brow was not visible, it disappeared beneath his hat. His eyes were not visible, since they were lost under his eyebrows. His chin was not visible, for it plunged in his cravat. His hands were not visible, they were drawn up in his sleeves, and his cane was not visible, he carried it under his coat. But when the occasion presented itself, they were suddenly seen to emerge from all the shadow, as from an ambuscade, a narrow and angular forehead, a baleful glance, a threatening chin, enormous hands, and a monstrous cudgel. In his leisure moments, which were far from frequent, he read, although he hated books. This caused him to be not wholly illiterate. This could be recognised by some emphasis in his speech. As we have said, he had no vices. When he was pleased with himself, he permitted himself a pinch of snuff. Therein lay his connection with humanity. The reader will have no difficulty in understanding that Javert was the terror of that whole class which the annual statistics of the Ministry of Justice designates under the rubric, vagrants. The name of Javert routed them by its mere utterance. The face of Javert petrified them at sight. Such was this formidable man. Javert was like an eye constantly fixed on Monsieur Madeleine, an eye full of suspicion and conjecture. Monsieur Madeleine had finally perceived the fact, but it seemed to be of no importance to him. He did not even put a question to Javert. He neither sought nor avoided him. He bore that embarrassing and almost oppressive gaze without appearing to notice it. He treated Javert with ease and courtesy, as he did all the rest of the world. It was divined from some words which escaped Javert that he had secretly investigated with that curiosity which belongs to the race, and into which there enters as much instinct as will, all the anterior traces which Father Madeleine might have left elsewhere. He seemed to know, and he sometimes said in covert words, that someone had gleaned certain information in a certain district about a family which had disappeared. Once he chanced to say, as he was talking to himself, I think I have him. Then he remained pensive for three days, and uttered not a word. It seemed that the thread which he had thought he had held had broken. Moreover, and this furnishes the necessary corrective for the too absolute sense which certain words might present, there can be nothing really infallible in a human creature, and the peculiarity of instinct is that it can become confused, thrown off the track, and defeated. Otherwise it would be superior to intelligence, and the beast would be found to be provided with better light than man. Javert was evidently somewhat disconcerted by the perfect naturalness and tranquillity of Monsieur Madeleine. One day, nevertheless, his strange manner appeared to produce an impression on Monsieur Madeleine. It was on the following occasion. <laughs> 